Doing that all day yesterday. Maybe oh, I passed the turn. curse on to you. It's my turn. Yeah, it was a pretty fun way to wake up. You know, get a little future. What's happening by 2025? What's happening by 2050? And what is happening right now? With some good year-over-year data. When he asked if, um, <laughs> I think it was Brandon Freed who asked if everybody, uh, yes, everybody in the room to raise their hand if they had Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. And not only did anyone like raise their hand, but people just started walking out who were in the hallway and just like to raise their hand to just participate <laughs> in the fact like, that it's like 105%. You may not want to do business with Amazon, but boy, do we like, well, being their consumer, right? Their customer. We, yeah. 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 Um, What's so, the last thing you bought on Amazon? Uh, I, 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 a, a base amp. Wow. Yeah. Big purchases. <laughs> right. Now, do you have to clear those with the wife or do you just... You... Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. All right. So yeah. what's the rule in your household? Um, I, well, see, the thing is, uh-huh. if, if she gives me permission for something that might be a $400 item, oh. then... You're you co-signing never... her $400. Yes. yes. For, it could, in multiples of 10, it could yeah. even be. Suddenly, I'll come home and she'll be like, honey, I, I decided I need, we needed new shutters yeah. around the whole house. And it's like, okay. Well, um, it's Tuesday in Nashville, Chad. It's Tuesday in Nashville. It's Tuesday. I think when people book this, maybe if they're not from here, they're expecting maybe nicer weather, but it's like 34 degrees. It's very seasonal out here in Tennessee. It's not, uh, I don't know. You're, we're not sitting out by the pool, that's for sure. I am digging me, though, some Nashville. It is great. This is a great place to have a conference. I know. You got a little like a little baby cowboy hat. You didn't wear it. You forgot yeah. it in your hotel room. Hopefully yeah. you can get that before uh, the maids come. I got it uh, at you know the uh, American Line Haulers. Uh, they had a great party last night at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Mm. Really fun. Got a cowboy hat. Got a bandana. Needed, needed them. Was there anyone who's in the Country Music Hall of Fame? Because people argue about, like, Eli Manning shouldn't be in the NFL Hall of Fame. <laughs> I would probably agree with Drew Brees that maybe he should. He had those two yeah, huge wins against the Patriots. Yeah, he was more transcendent, yeah. So who in the Country Music Hall of Fame did you think didn't belong there last night that when you were looking? Didn't belong? Yeah. That's a tough okay. one. Okay, well, who you know, did belong? I mean, who's, who should I, be there? I guess I wondered, did the St- are the Statler brothers that great? Did they yes. need to, you know, they, they were. <laughs> All right. Well. I, but, no, I mean, some legends, of course, Johnny of course. Cash. You know, some people that they... They don't know. They don't know about the Carter family. That's a whole strain from where uh, country music came, the Carter family. And there is a guy, Jimmy, uh, is it Ellis? Jimmy Ellis, I think. Maybe. He he died when he was uh, 37. Uh, Hank Williams Sr. was like the Shakespeare of country music. Died when he was 27, if you can believe that. Wow. So a woman really wrote all his music. <laughs> No. no. Okay. All right. No. Well, we have a we have a huge guest lineup today. We have Eric Hare from K9 Global. He's going to come yeah. on and talk to us about dog security, canine professionals. It's it's exciting. Canines in the workforce. You said well, you have a dog. Do you think that your dog could uh, work for uh, as a drug screening creature? My dog is very undisciplined. He's, yeah. he's a sweetheart, but you know he pulls on the leash no matter what you, yeah. you do. And do you get like a choker just, collar for I, him? Th- no, that oh. would be that would be kind of cruel and unusual. After him, we'll have Craig Fuller. We mentioned him. We'll, uh, we'll round out his keynote and get up to date on what Sonar, No More Faster, what it's doing for yes. the air cargo space where you need to know more faster than anyone else other than maybe NASA. A lot of talk about NASA here. It's exciting. Yeah. You I'll, had a fun interview. Yes. I'll be talking to uh, Michelle Hankerson, Helkerson later today. She also she worked at NASA before coming here as well. Wow. Yeah. Okay. She, uh, she so bought her own interviews company. interviews at the speed of light with yeah. Dooner. Awesome stuff. So I think Eric is here. Let's All have right. a, let's have let's him, have him right on. on. Hey, Eric, thanks for joining us. Are Eric, those, uh, you were in the uh, what, you were an officer in the uh, infantry. I was twenty five years. Twenty five wow. yeah. years yeah. running tight ship. Well, glad to glad we were actually punctual then with getting you on on time. <laughs> did you they work on um, <laughs> Eric? Did you work with with dogs when you were out in the fields when you were in the army doing infantry work? Yeah. So what we did at that time we had dogs in each platoon, so you could. Clear minds and clear uh, IEDs, possible IEDs, stuff like that. Oh, okay. Wow. 
So that's sort of where you cut your your canine teeth. Uh, excuse the pun. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, what goes into training a, a, a canine professional? Well, you know, first you gotta you gotta buy the right dog, right? So yeah. You buy one that's that's physically sound, environmental. You know, the nerve strength, all that kind of stuff. So you go to a good breeder and you buy a, a pro bowler. Is what we call it, right? Not you don't buy a high school football player. Okay. You buy a pro bowler that <laughs> oh. way because that dog will give you. It's a smarter dog, bonds better. It, it learns faster. So, and then we put them in about eight weeks of training in yeah. the cargo environment to, to how pick do, up on the How do you do that initial assessment? How do you know, oh, this is a pro bowler, like, right, early on? We send good guys over to the procure. Okay. Same guys that are training them, they go over there and they test the dog in different situations okay. and see how the dog reacts. So, Emily has a cockapoo. Um, do you think that you could take one of those kind of dogs and make it a, a drug-sniffing dog or a security dog? Or is does it – because usually you'll see, like, German Shepherds, you'll see Labradors. Those tend to be really popular. Yeah, so we believe in the herding dogs, and the herding dogs are we call them pointier dogs. There's your shepherds, Belgian Malinois. They do much better because they have that physical, that drive to want to succeed, yeah. want to work for a ball. And then you have the, the sporting breeds, so like the labs and stuff, you use them to. Uh, so. Yeah, well, but sorry, Emily. <laughs> yeah, you can't, if you can't train them not to use the bathroom inside, you can't train them to sniff odor. Well, well, how did you get involved with uh, training dogs? Well, when I retired out of the military, my first stint was with a civilian company called AM Canine, and they were the largest canine company in the world, and I ran operations for them. And then I went to a couple technology companies and then started my own company. Do the dogs live with a handler? So what is the life of a canine professional? They go into the academy, they get trained by you guys, you pick out that pro bowler. Then what is, uh, do they live with somebody? How does all that work? They do. So after they finish their training, we train everybody in Alabama. That's where our facility is. And then they go out to their cities. It's either LAX or wherever they're going to be. And the canines are partner. So it's a life partner. So, and we have a program called Partner for Life with the canine that if they wear this for two years, they can keep the canine anytime they leave. So oh, wow. they, they take it home every day. It's a, it's a, it's a family member. Well, with uh, cybersecurity becoming a, an increasingly important issue in the industry, is this something that is a scalable type of operation? Are you seeing a lot of growth with like having dogs fulfill the, the needs in these uh, ports? Like cyber dogs? Like, no, like just video regular, game dogs? Just no, regular, oh, okay. old, regular old dogs. Yeah, so, um, you know, this this just started, the cargo screening just started about a year ago, and we've, we've already got over 120 dogs, and it keeps expanding just in that arena. And then when you start to look at a lot of your companies, like your Amazons and all that, the tech companies, they're wanting canines in their security plan for their facilities as well. So you see it really growing, the whole canine industry. Have yeah. you, uh, what, what's the most interesting thing you've seen a dog find or a story you've heard about? You've been around dogs for... Over with 26 years in the Army, but then you've also been, how long have you been doing the canine professional training and, and all that? Off and on for about the last three and a half years or so. So do you have any good stories from out in the uh, out in that field? I mean, there's some good finds. Some of them we can't talk about, but we had a we had a canine in a facility that pulled pulled the handler about 100 feet away from where they were supposed to be screening. And when they every time they inspected the box two or three times, they wouldn't get any residue, so they decided to open it up. And inside there, there was three gram, three grams percent of an odor, an explosive odor oh, wow. residue. So it was amazing that the dog's threshold was so low that it was able to pick that up. And we were lucky; it just so happened to be there was a bunch of TSA inspectors. So yeah. Well, what are some of the types of things that, that the dogs are looking for? Obviously, I'm sure drugs and bombs is is it. But is there are there other things? Well, there's so we we separate the dogs. So if we have an explosive dog, that's all we teach them. Oh. That way, because if they sit, that's when something can go boom, right? That's why you want to train that dog. Well, the other dogs we have, lithium battery, okay. man in a box, narcotics. So they, they're screening your freighters for man in a box and stuff like that. It's a faster, you know, we can do a freighter in a couple hours instead of having to take your CO2 and some of the other techniques that they have today. Well, are, are any of them literally looking for like man in a box, like stowaways, people who yeah. might be? So is oh, that, oh, that really is a person in a box? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. J J Jack in a box. Uh, well, so uh, counterfeit is a big uh, counterfeit goods, but I, I don't suppose you can necessarily train a dog to uh, to be able to be sensitive to that kind of exposure. Well, perfumes maybe, right? Yeah, like the fake to... cologne versus the real cologne. Is that, really? If, if you have a scent, if there's a scent picture, we can train a scent picture. For the dog to pick that up, you can also like bullfrogs, like a center dog doesn't know when wow. it sees it, it's, it'll show a, a change of behavior. You want to call it that, and you got to train it out of it because bullfrogs are okay, right? So, so when you want them, what happens when they just because you could get into some hairy situations, especially when you're finding explosives. So what happens at that point? Does it go sort of like lockdown when like how when someone finds a unattended luggage or something? What occurs there? 
So once the dog, it's called an alarm. Once the dog alarms, then we transfer the cargo back to the, our client. <clears throat> and then they have a protocols in their, in their uh, regulations on how they resolve that. So it, it'll go through stages. It'll, there's always a secondary. They'll use an x-ray or something yeah. to, to basically second check it. And then if it still alarms, then, of course, you call in your local bomb squad and you evacuate the building. And, but every facility has their own protocols. I guess there's a number of levels of investment that you guys put into the canine in the first place. Both like I guess there's a little bit of an emotional investment. There's a time investment. There's got to be a cost investment. How, first of all, how long does it take to like train this dog and have the dog really ready to be possibly adopted, as you were saying, uh, to another location? So it takes about eight weeks, eight to ten weeks to train a dog. And then you pair the dog with a handler. And that takes anywhere from four to eight weeks. And then it takes a week of certification through the TSA process. And then they're in the field. So you, know, you count minimum minimum of 120 days to, yeah. to build a full team and have it ready to go to the field. That sounds, um, that's uh, it, it's, I mean, eight to ten weeks and a dog's trained. That's, yeah. wow. So the hardest thing is once they pick up that first odor. So our dogs... We train them on 44 different odors and mixes of those odors and this distractors because you want to know the distractors so they don't sit on a distractor like plastic or yeah. not. So, but once they learn, it takes them three or four days to learn that first odor. But once they get the first one, they all just start stacking on because uh-huh. now they know the game. Like the flywheel effect. Speaking of distractions, like when it's hard for me to not see a lab and want to go over to it and just, and just scratch yeah. it, you know, and be like you're and give it a pet. But I know they're working too. And is it, are they almost like seeing eye dogs that you shouldn't go up to and, and bother them while they're on duty? What is the protocol there? Yeah. So the way we work is if we're in a, you know, if we're in an area and the dog is actually working, then you, you don't, you don't approach the handler or the dog. And that's one of those things where you redirect the dog. And that's when you talk about environmental strength of the dog. That means if they hear something loud, beeping, or someone distracts them, they go right back to work. It doesn't bother them. They ignore it. Wow. Well, it's quite the thing that this is, this is your retirement. You've like, you're, you're an intense guy. You're doing a whole lot of things. What, how can uh, people learn more, reach, reach out to you, learn more about, uh, canine global? Uh, They can go to our website, um, and our banners up top. They can pick up the website and say, we got lucky. I don't, know if, I don't know if Harrison can pan that eye or camera guy, <laughs> yeah. but it is, uh, what is it, CargoK9.com? Yep, it'll take you right to our website or GK9PG.com. Hey, one last question. Okay. Do you have, like, when I worked in the music industry, I stopped listening to music for a while, and now that I do podcasts and I don't listen to as many podcasts, do you have a dog at home or do you get enough of dogs at work? I have five. Wow. But none of them are working dogs. <laughs> okay. They're, they're, they're worthless dogs. They're, <laughs> oh, they're, wow. They're, they're All right. Yo, they're, we have a sheepdog, two English bulldogs. Yeah. Um, like a... Chihuahua. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Because if you brought home the train once, you'd be like, I'm surrounded by my coworkers and you just have enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank thank you for your service, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. Great to have you on. Great stuff. I think that we have, uh, maybe our our guest of honor next coming up. It's, um, oh no, we have, yes, we do. It's Craig Fuller. Craig Fuller is going to be on the show, our keynote speaker. We're so, uh, fortunate to be able to have him on. Uh, as, and we are going to, we're in for a treat right now. Let's get him mic'd up. Yeah, he was talking about, he was talking about how our sonar platform relates to air cargo, but it went a lot deeper than that. He was talking yeah. about changes with venture capital and how that's changing the industry, the different, um, robotics and AI companies. And, you know, I was looking at that Starsky truck and Craig said that it failed because they were trying to move they were trying to be They're a trucking company, be, right? Um, but I saw the picture of the truck, and I think they also fell because it was—it's ugly. Like it looked like it had security cameras. It looked like it was from the 1970s. Yeah, too. it was like, just a terrible looking Star- truck. And it reminded me of Starsky and Hutch. Oh, the name a, yeah. like reminded you of Starsky well. and Hutch. Yeah, yeah. So uh, come on, come on, in, come on uh, down, uh, Craig. I can't believe I'm on the show. The show? Well, the show. There is no the, uh, there are other shows. Yes. Certainly the People's Choice Award the People's goes Choice. to What the Truck. And but Chad, I gotta ask. Call, yeah. What did you th- I mean, you've been doing this show for what, two years now? Uh coming up on it, I guess. When is the anniversary? Uh I think March. March, March, March twenty eighteen is when oh, we launched. So we need a celebration. Like the what the truck two year anniversary. Let's do two it. Two year live right. party. We should do a uh, full day live show Whoa. for what the truck. Okay. Wow. Let's do well, it. Like we get it. to, we get to work big cake full day and for champagne <laughs> and we can have beer for the yeah. first what? time in a year to Shut celebrate it down. Celebrate the what the truck reunion. Yeah. Well I love it. Of course stage, we're cooking with we're cooking. 
talking with guests now. I, you. I think we should invite, like, have a party for what the truck to your anniversary. Yeah, like, have a lot of invite guests. Invite the on. public to Chattanooga, Tennessee. So let's get a date. What okay. date? Okay. St. Patrick's Day? Pick a date. St. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's Day. Sure. Yeah, we're going to St. Patrick's Day and two year what anniversary. March well, 17th? What, Mar- dude, what it's day March 17th. is that? You don't know St. Patrick's No, but what day is it? It's Tuesday. 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 That's a good day. We might have right, to do, we'll do Monday. Or do you oh, want to do, do it Tuesday? That's fine. But we'll okay. do, we're going to do live What the Truck to your anniversary show on St. Patrick's Day where it's going to be live. And if you want to be on What the Truck, yeah. come to Chattanooga where we're going to start drinking <laughs> at 8 a.m. with green oh, wow. beer. Well, I wow, have to say, is, you know, but like... But neither Duna nor I drink, yeah. so you're going to be drinking alone. Will this Bring, be uh, live? You won't be among your what the truck friends. You're just going to be drinking. Chad, um, I suspect Chad might drink. We might get a tear every now and then. You know, like, honestly, I, the story behind how some of that happened, you know, JP and I were talking with Barry right before going on for the first couple of, of episodes and we were anxious and we were like, let's break the ice a little bit. Let's have a couple of beers, get loosened up. That became a part of the routine and uh, kind of, I got, it got so bad because you guys would do a 30 minute show and 10 minute would be about beer. Well, we, yeah. we had to get a little I, more I would get complaints from the public, but I think in a two year anniversary, I think you can start and do an all day drinking show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that sounds challenging. It all does right. sound challenging. I mean, keeping an audience for all day, but. So, Craig, why are why are you here other than to come on What the Truck? You you were on stage earlier. I and was. You were espousing the message of Freightways Venture Capital and all of that kind well, of stuff. Well, it was not espousing Freightways Venture Capital. Espousing no. the message of what? <laughs> of disruption. I know that you you sound like you paid close attention. I to was the, paying close attention. Well, it was a sp- no. I said uh, Freightways and Venture Capital. Uh, well, no, I was really talking about the fact that you have brand new participants which don't have to play by everybody else's rule yeah and that is scary and exciting at the same time if you're an incumbent it it means you're gonna have new competitors that you hadn't considered competitor before and i think we just have to bring light to those topics because it's it is going to be a reality going forward is that the world's changed you know, you talked about Bill Ford talking about how mobility is is uh, maybe going to be bigger as coming down the road in a, in a few years. Well, he's going to be it's going to be bigger than so. His quote is yeah, that mo- and I don't I'm not direct quote and I'm paraphrasing, but sure. basically what he's saying is that the mobility revolution, the idea of moving people or things, will have a bigger impact and be a bigger venture concept. In other words, bigger returns than what the first wave of the internet was. And that's pretty profound to say because right. think about like Jeff Bezos is the world's one of the world's richest men that effectively drew, grew up in the internet age. What what Bill Ford is saying is that the mobility revolution is going to create more wealth than was created during the internet age. And that's that's a pretty profound thing to say. And it's one of the reasons that there is so much excitement in the industry right now. Like it's a so my broad question for you is why is it so exciting in the industry right now? Well, it's, it's either exciting or scary. And I think at times both yeah. for everybody. Um, it's exciting because there's so much happening with technology and technology innovation and new participants uh, and just frankly interest. I mean, when you joined us, Chad, two years ago yeah. and you're like, I work for a freight media outlet, people are like, boring and yeah. now you're like but dude we're doing yeah. with drones and autonomous vehicles and i learned vehicles. really fast that it that's what part of it was so exciting it's cool yes. and now when you start having conversations you're the cool guy at the party how does that feel <laughs> it feels good like it yeah. happened pretty quickly we would we would go to events and they're like oh you're the freight waves guy yeah you guys book freight like yeah. you guys match freight that's what most people think is we're a broker well we're they like, did it first yeah. yeah but now i think people know who we are but it's it's less about us i think what's happening right now yep. in venture land is there's a lot of capital really propping up the industry and supporting some of these new upstarts. And I think that's exciting because it means a lot of new jobs and a lot of people are entering the industry, a lot of like new innovations. But the downside of that is you end up competing with companies that don't have to make profits. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. You In the old days, you're like, well, nobody's going to go to zero. Well, you mentioned one of those companies, and it was a, a core point of your talk up there was Amazon. You talked about the story and the information that Freightways brings to the market, not just through Sonar, but through Freightways.com. 
published a story about about Amazon. Can you uh, can you recount that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it was John Paul Hampstead. So uh, we got a tip about freight.amazon.com, which was their freight brokerage business. Um, we got a tip on a Friday, wrote about it, didn't think much of it. It was after the market closed. Wake up Monday morning, and the entire sector has sold off $2.5 billion of market cap. Some of these wow. stocks were over 10%. Had lost 10% over the weekend or on Monday morning. And I, I think what happened is that people woke up to the reality that Amazon's coming for logistics. And Jeff Bezos has said he wants to basically – you know, 10% of the world's logistics business, he wants Amazon to be part of that. If they hit, you know, if you think of logistics as a $9.6 trillion industry, and if Amazon achieves that goal of being 10% of it, that puts them at a trillion dollars of revenue. That's three times, two and a half, three times as big as their retail business. This means logistics is their business. And it's a company that doesn't have to make a profit. Now, I, and, and, and I, that's what's scary about it. Yeah. Because, Effectively, it changes the rules of engagement of everybody and everything as we know it. Wow. Well, one of the things we're also trying to do in our participation here for the first time at the Air Cargo 2020 conference is sonar can be of, of use to a lot of people and of all kinds of points in the supply chain. Air cargo shippers, carriers, integrators, what can sonar do for them? Well, it's all everyone? about information. So if you're going to have an environment where e-commerce and near real-time delivery is a fact, you need information. And I think the air forwarders and the expediters are always on the uh, – they're usually the last to be involved in a project in terms of, you know, they're the rescue, they're the 911 ambulance of the industry. And keeping – being aware of what disruptions will take place and having intelligence to that is important. And that's what Sonar is built to do is provide the fastest data ever and – that's what we've aspired to do, and I think that's why Sonar makes sense for, for this audience. Part of why FreightWaves exists and something like Sonar can exist is another aspect of Amazon's business, right? Amazon Web Services, which is uh, – they may not make a profit being that, that carrier, right, That that in, in the shipping side of it, but they sure do on the website, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, it's not on the website. It's called Amazon Web Services because it hosts cloud. It's the cloud hosting. Yeah, like on the website, not the yeah, website. Yeah, the website, yeah, sorry. If you think of like in the old days, if you had a technology company, you know, in say pre-2005, you would have to go out and buy physical servers, put them in a data center, probably at headquarters, wherever your headquarters were. And as you grew, you would either – if you anticipate a fast growth, you go buy a lot of equipment. Um, if you were growing and didn't have the capital to invest in the equipment, you would add it incrementally. The problem is you can't have an exponential growth business that, uh, that, that you can anticipate without a lot of money. And so what AWS did was it made it efficient to just grow. And all you had to worry about as a startup was, Acquiring customers, retaining them, and delivering value to them, not having to worry about inf internet infrastructure. And I think, you know, Jeff Bezos' greatest innovation is not Amazon.com, the website, not the retail. That's not his greatest contribution to mankind. His greatest contribution to mankind is AWS. And I think that's underappreciated by most people. Is part and part of it, I think, the genius too is just being able to maintain market share without even having to be profitable for such a long time. Well, now the That's AWS a pretty, is immensely profitable right now. Yes, it right, and it will be. To, I, I think. I mean, it's reached a critical amount of scale. The cost of of server space is exponentially going cheaper, um, just in terms of physical hardware. I, it's it's going to be profitable for a very long time. I, I think in your your comments about. Amazon broadly is it doesn't have to make a, project, a profit in some of these side hustles, like, which is kind of the, the that's the scary in logistics. Thing, right? They don't have to make a profit. They literally, you know, are growing at such a fast rate, and their shipping costs are growing at such a fast rate that they have a lot of ways to. They're not hiding it from their investors, but they have a lot of ways to justify that growth without having to be looked at the same way people look at FedEx. You know, there's been a lot of discussion about should Amazon buy a FedEx. I don't think the antitrust, I think the tr I think the government would have a problem with that. The issue is that Amazon doesn't need to buy it. They can build that capacity out themselves 
The problem is they bought FedEx, then there would be a lot of transparency in how much FedEx makes money. And it's, people would start to really focus on that as a line item, where right now it's a side hustle. Well, speaking of uh, disruptors and, you know, maybe not even making a profit for a while, you talked about Uber Freight in your keynote. And, and you mentioned reading the book Super Pumped. Yeah. Like, t- it's not, it, it was fascinating. He's, a, he's to coming you. to Freightways Live. Oh, wow. The author of Super Pumped. Okay. Is coming. Well, to I'm Freightways super pumped. Live. Tell, yeah. like, so tell us about the, that book. Like, what was so, uh, well, just, well, what's I, the I think the story of Uber is one. I, you know, I have, I would say a mixed view of Uber. Not necessarily a bad one, not necessarily a great one. The, the, the thing is, there's things I love about Uber, and there's things, as an entrepreneur, I, uh, I am somewhat envious of tra- what Travis K had accomplished when yeah. he was CEO. Um, and I, and I think what that story is about is effectively how he built the business and how he thought basically grow at all costs, become king of the world at all costs. And I think that he's paid the price for that in terms of reputation and stuff. And he was a very polarizing figure. But as an entrepreneur, I find myself rooting for him in ways even as corrupted as some of the things, the storylines. I find it, I'm rooting for him in some ways. He walks Because like- I'm like, this guy is fighting the taxi lobby. He's right. He's fighting the incumbents. And, 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 and you've got to have some of that. You have that. I mean, we, there's a certain element of that in every entrepreneur where I think every successful entrepreneur wakes up and they're fighting for something, right? Or against something because you have to stay motivated. And the problem with an entrepreneur is that it's very hard to stay motivated. You have to motivate your team. You are the, the source of drive for that business. And if you don't have something that's driving you, it's very hard to inspire your team because they want to follow uh, an example of some somebody who's fighting. I love when someone attacks, someone trolls us on social media, or a, that never a, happens. A rival <laughs> publication that does that fires you up. A rival publication says something stupid that we're like, remember the sacrifices. Let's remember like, the sacrifices right now. You need and that locker room like, material, it's like, right? Because it's, it's a like, are they cry. really yeah. legitimately? talking about this let's go out like this is great yeah. like they're self-loathing because they got their ass kicked there's a rule <laughs> about social media and this is actually great is you you can you can insult your competitors you can talk about them but you never whine about them because that shows weakness and what we mm. end up seeing is people start whining like and so <laughs> it's and that's that's great. It's like please continue yeah. to be upset that you worked late on New Year's Eve and we still kicked your ass. So <laughs> what about the hyperloop? The way you described it, I pictured like Augustus Galoop in uh Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory just getting like getting stuck in the middle of it. It seemed like you don't I mean, I didn't go too deep into the Hyperloop. It, it is a, uh, it's a pipe dream. It is a pipe. It is a, yes. Yeah, so oh, we the, might have yeah. a rim shot. We might even have a rim shot for you, Craig. Uh, okay. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Oh, I can't hear it. I can't hear it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm like, okay. Uh, but no, I, look, I think the Hyperloop is an interesting concept. We'll see if it ever goes anywhere. Yeah. Um, I, it wasn't, it's, it's good fodder, uh, for a talk like that because it gets people staring into the abyss. Well, it could be, it could be cargo. I mean, you test it out on cargo for sure. Yeah. I mean, cargo people, would be, right? I, I, I would think I'd trust to put my boxes in a, in a tube. Much I trust my checks, right? You sound very much more likely than I trust to put my kids in a tube. I'm excited about it. I want some high speed rail. I want some hyper loops. I want to get. Okay, like I had this conversation. I was at a high school last night giving a talk to my colleague, a little kid. You know, yeah, they're high schoolers, they're not little kids. Right, they're older than mine. And I was talking to them, and there was this young kid in the audience that was obsessed with public transportation, and he's like, "Why don't we have public transportation?" And I think. He's right. Like we should, we should have an efficient public transportation. Thing. But I pointed out that logistics is ultimately a uh, business of optimization of utilization. So you have to build these things in really dense markets, um, and that's why I think the hyperloop will start in some of these other areas of the world where they don't have the regulatory issues and they have dense populations. Cool. What's next? Wow. So what's the next event after this one? Um, well, for me, I've got a couple of roadshow investor things I have to do. Nice. Or get the opportunity to do. I have to do them. <laughs> um, 
Just because that's my job. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that's very uh, optimistic, so positive minded. I'm very tired. It's yeah. been a long month. Um, but having said that, uh, we have Freightways Live coming up. Yeah. We have the Truck Care Association TCAs coming up. But Freightways Live in Atlanta on mm. May 5th, 5th and 6th. Six. What? The truck will be there. Aaron that's Andrews right. will be there. Aaron Andrews will be there. The author of Super Pumped will be there. Chad will be there. Dooner will be there. Yeah. Emily will be there. Everybody will be there. You'll be there. And I All think right. that there is a, you could, there's a discount code right now. You could use that if you, from the Air, Car- Air Cargo 2020. Get your ticket now. Wow. What is the, save how much money do you save? Save $200. $200. Do it. Like, yeah. why wait? It costs you money to wait. It, it, you do. It yeah. does cost you money to no wait. No more faster. Buy your tickets faster. Freightwaves.com. Figure it all out. Learn more about Craig Fuller. Freight Alley on Twitter. Freight Alley. <laughs> yeah. Yes. At Freight Alley. Ladies and gentlemen, Thanks great to have you on. Good job, dude. All right. On March 17th, St. Patty's Day, we do li- <laughs> What the Truck you. Live, All You Can Drink. Wow. And all you can think about What the Truck. Like, all right, guys. You've heard What the Truck. The gauntlet there, has they been thrown down. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, well, we're going to go live. 24 hours of What the Truck. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. So That's frightening. So Chad, you are still holding out hope for this this hyperloop. You're going to drive your oh, Starsky yeah. truck to the hyperloop and throw your package I'll just in there. Control it. You yeah, know? yeah, um, yeah. That'll be that'll be um, that'll be fun. No, I actually, I just want I just want my goods sent to me in a half an hour um, by uh, drone. You know, just I just uh, I can't wait for a world like that. Have you ever been to Brussels before? Brussels? No, I have not. Oh wow, I have. You have, yeah, yeah. It's a, okay. it's actually so like downtown Belgium is like a really small area actually, oh. and one of the things there is like, I was there as a fourteen year old, and they tried to sell you like lace and waffles, which is like, you know, like not the most lace? exciting thing. Lace, yeah, like Belgian lace is very, uh, very popular. Oh. Lace. Wow, you know, like yeah, la- like like, la- like, like I, I thought you were something lace. something was laced or something. I. Um, well, yeah, is Steve here? Well, he is. He's here. He's ready to come on. So come on, speaking Steve. of Brussels, it's such a coincidence that you mentioned Hi, that. Hi, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having <laughs> me. From Brussels Airport Company, Director of Cargo and Logistics at Brussels Airport. Co- I don't know. He wrote Brussels Airport Company twice. You're making good advertisement for my airport. Yes. That's good. Thanks. Mentioning yes. it three Reinforcement. times. Reinforcement. <laughs> yes. Love it. <laughs> so what do you do over there as a head of cargo? Well, we are responsible for all the cargo activities. Uh, I think we have the benefit that we are one of the very few airports having full control uh, in a sense that uh, from real estate to operations, we really have a separate business unit, a separate P&L. So we are basically in a separate business taking care of cargo. So so it's di- taking care of business in Brussels is is different than operating almost anywhere else in the, yeah. in the world? Yeah. But you see in most airports that you will have a cargo guy who takes care of the marketing, the operation. Sometimes it's the real estate. With us, it's different. Everything that happens in the cargo area is our responsibility. We have our own legal, own finance, own P&L. So we really look at cargo from a separate uh, separate business, really. Do you have your own dogs? We were talking to the uh, the, the, the dog guys earlier from the I cargo have, canine I company. An, I have an own dog at home, but he's not oh. working on the canine. <laughs> but we have several companies. But we're still a facilitator. So we, we have we have the, the full waters, the airlines, the handling agents. We have several companies with dogs. So we facilitate the process. Uh, we do not get really involved in the day-to-day business uh, ourselves. Do you prefer it that way? Is it more difficult, more complicated when you're kind of just siloed and, and doing it differently than everybody else? If you do or? it siloed, it's not working. It's like a restaurant. Eh? If you have yeah. somebody choosing the menu and somebody doing the shopping and somebody uh, right. looking for the waiters and somebody deciding what table are you using, you, you're not finding a concept of a restaurant. And I would like to have ownership on everything. Yeah. And that is the strength, I think, of our airport. Oh. We really have ownership. Yeah. Bill Parcell said that about Robert Kraft when he was when he was the Patriots coach. He said, uh, "If you want me to cook dinner, let me shop for the groceries." I love that famous one. quote. Yeah, same one. Yeah, steal that one and say it's from famous American I said it football. Before coach. him, anyways. Okay. Yeah, but it doesn't <laughs> work out for me. a lot of head coaches. It worked out for Bill Parcells, but not for a whole lot of coaches. Too much responsibility. Yeah. So, but yeah, in special cases, I suppose. What's the most typical kind of cargo that you guys see move through the airport? Are there any commodities that really stand out? But well, the fun thing of cargo is that if you compare it to shipping, you have containers. Yeah. With air cargo, you see the you see what you're doing yeah. because of the volumes. And we have seen everything. 
just just a moment ago, we had some nice animals. We had two bears. We, we have bears. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We have had a, a leopard. Live loads. We had koalas. Uh, we do a lot of pharmaceuticals. Uh, when so many years ago, Viagra pills starting to become, you were the first airport oh, wow. transporting them. You wouldn't want the bears to get a hold of those. Could, no, no, no. Yeah. But how they were delivered like valuables to gather the diamonds and things like that. So we see we see everything, and that's the fun thing, of course. Well, so those are the fun, unusual things. What's yeah. the what's the typical st- uh, cargo that you guys are moving? Through your airports. What we try to specialize in, because again, an airport has to do everything, but where we really try to make a difference is pharmaceuticals. Okay. We have a, a huge market share on pharmaceuticals. Belgium uh, is, is, and not many people know that, very n- much known for pharmaceutical production. All the big ones have production facilities in, in Belgium. We are the second biggest exporter in the world of pharmaceuticals. So we really try to specialize in that one. Uh, there's no airport in the world, even the ones that are five times bigger, that have more cooled facilities than we have. So, so that's really your specialty, yeah. Wow. You a big fan of the movie In Bruise? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's, <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a Colin Farrell movie. On, I'll try yes. to watch it on the flight back well, home. Well, no, it, ta- <laughs> it takes place in, in, in Brussels. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, in the city there. The, 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 oh, In Bruges. Yes, I did. I probably Bruges, just massacred Bruges, the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Belgium is that small, but it's not, it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> it is small. I went there when I was in, when I was with my Catholic school. We, we went on a European tour and one of the stops we did was in, in Brussels. Um, yeah. And the, my big takeaway was that they really try to peddle waffles and lace on you. At yeah. least in the mid '90s, yeah. that was yeah. kind of like well, waffles, chocolates, beer. Yeah, that, that's still yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much what our country is known for. Yeah. Well, how how important is data for you guys now? From where you were, I mean, in the past just two years since Freight Waves has really emerged onto the scene, yeah. and I've been a part of it. It's it's become sexy we talk we yeah. say data is the new oil yeah. uh how how has it been like real time just yeah. in time kind of data how do you guys use it and integrate it into what you do it's nice you're asking because uh the, the second thing uh, we really specialize in we have created an, a very innovative open data sharing platform which we call Brucloud. oh uh, so i think uh, yesterday we had a whole discussion on data and availability of data and, and we have all this data available we have uh, thanks to this data a lot of uh, operational solutions we have created small ones quicker clearance slot booking uh, solutions for reducing waiting time so for us, that's really a game changer on how we work. And I think in the next year, that's only going to, to grow spectacular if, it, if we talk about data. Yeah. Do, do you think open platforms are, are important? Because you, you mentioned that even open sharing one. Do you yeah. think in order for them to scale and to be adopted by a lot of people? Because I remember when blockchain in 2018 was kind of a sexy conversation then. We have a blockchain application on the platform, yeah. by the way. So, are you so excited by it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, it has its limitations, but also it has, it has great ad- advantages. I think that the, the benefit of an open data sharing platform is we want to, to create something that is attractive for the users. Eh? Uh, I don't want you to come to eat in my restaurant because there's no other choice. I want you to come because we have the best menu, the best setting, and the best price quality. And with all these more closed, big systems, you force people to use something in total which they don't really need at certain times. And, and our open data sharing platform is really like your app store. You can download apps you want, you want to use. You only pay for them you want. And it's not a big change. Everything is behind the scenes connecting data. So I'm not forcing any company to, to do internal change into their systems. If you're a small company, you want to use everything perfect. If you're a big one, you only want to use part of it. Perfect. It's, it's what you want. Wow. What, so what's the weirdest thing that you guys have shipped? I mean, you mentioned the bears and the koalas yeah. and all that stuff. Have you uh, ever done like rare art or anything to that effect? But we have done a lot of art because, uh, again, there's not not much. I think the, the weirdest thing I, I did was the most stupid thing, uh, and that was uh, two planks, two wooden two wooden planks for uh, a flooring for a hotel opening, and uh, they didn't find any locally, and they had to ship it. Uh, and then you think, oh, stupid! But if it has to go fast, it it, it is. Uh, and, and the second one I also will always remember is a big boat, a guy buying a boat, and it's being transported to to Turkey. And he decided that uh, instead of having it on Monday, he wants to have it on Saturday because he wants to make a trip with the family on Sunday. So suddenly he chartered an aircraft to put a boat in wow. and to fly it to Turkey. So these are fun things that you say, yeah, if you have money. Crazy, <laughs> yeah. man. You, you got to have a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. What, have you ever been to Nashville? Is this no, it's my first time and I love it. First time to Air Cargo Conference? No, I was or? here uh, last year in Las Vegas. Okay. And I liked mm. the conference already, but I have to say Nashville really... Uh, 
It's a cool town, question. isn't it? And this absolutely. is a good location because sometimes you go to conferences and you're you're not like really in the city. You get excited that you're going to yeah, go there, and yeah. then you're like, oh, another airport. Yeah, you got to take a bunch of Ubers <laughs> yeah, and Lyfts yeah, to get yeah. there. But here, you can just no, walk out, out, stumble yeah, around yeah, the city, absolutely. and do whatever you like. Great music, great bars. So yeah, we had uh, we had some good evenings so far. Well, yeah. thanks for participating yeah. and doing yeah. what doing your thing. How do people reach out to learn a little bit more? Well. We are at many conferences. If they go to okay. our website, they can find our contacts. If they want to know more about the data sharing platform, BrewCloud, they have a separate website. And my main idea was talking about Tiaka because I'm also the chairman of the International Air Cargo Association. Oh, wow. Okay. Headquartered in Miami. So also there you can find contacts. So it should not be too difficult to, 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 find to get hold it. of me. Stephen Pullman's. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank okay. you very much. Well, Thanks really for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank have you. Have a great day. Well, Thanks interesting for, stuff. Yeah, you contributing know, to our conversation. We talk about data, freight tech, and all those things. The next gentleman we're going to talk to, he does a lot with RFID. And RFIDs first came on my radar in a very unlikely place. Larry Flint had actually written an article about them. And it was the almost Larry like Flint. the Larry Flint. It was almost like a conspiratorial one. He was like, the government's going to put RFIDs on oh, everything right. <laughs> and track you everywhere. And now I don't know if I believed in that, but it made me think, like, wow, is RFID a, a viable solution for tracking and mind you this was in 2016 no this was in 2006 i'm sorry oh. now it's 2020 so 14 years later still talking about it well it is making a difference now we're seeing companies built completely around it our next guest has his company which is cargo cast and i think that their system is is based on using rfids this is a yeah dan and we will let you say dan your D-Pass? last name is it deep house i'm dan deep deep yeah. okay it was right. easier than we thought yeah super easy well <laughs> and you are all the way from oregon coming here yes and, so i live in portland oregon an interesting thing too you're co-founder of hedonist and you got <laughs> right and so you guys you have handmade sparkling wines yeah. that showcase the as you said the unique Terroir, 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 terroir. So, the 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 earth of, yeah, my, of my Oregon. My wife and I, we make some wine out in the Willamette Valley, and that's our side project, and it's a lot of fun. Wow, fantastic! That's yeah, pretty unusual. Our news director just looked really excited when you said that. I was like, "Whoa!" I should have brought some bottles for you guys. Is yeah, that, really? And you got so? You, is that because of your chemical engineering degree that you got? Uh, chemical, you know, interest in chemistry and biology has always always been kind of a background thing in my life. So. But it's mainly an interest in drinking. Yeah. You, he put down that you got it okay. from Calvin Coolidge, not the Calvin Coolidge, because he died in 1933 in Calvin Northampton. Calvin Coolidge. Oh, I thought you put Calvin Coolidge. That's where gonna, he went to Q Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, man, he does not look, uh, he looks very young. Portlandia, <laughs> accurate show. Uh, sometimes you would be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. They don't quite name their chickens, you know, but close. Well, you have a, um, you have a superhero name, the Digitizer of Freight. <laughs> yes, that's what you call yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I have a, a long background in software and technology and, uh, you know, spent the last decade or so working at this, this company where we're doing integration, helping companies connect, share data, and all this. And um, after a while, I decided to take a little break and met uh, Mike Morey, who, who used to be uh, director of cargo over at Air Canada, started learning all about uh, a lot of the challenges around you know, the air freight world. And logistics has always been an interest of mine. It's a very fascinating industry, industry tons of challenges. Um, it is. Lots yeah. of change going on yeah, but right be, now. Like, so he's only been in logistics for a few years, and I've, I've been in for a while, but before I got in logistics, I would never have thought it was a fascinating industry. In fact, like a lot of people, <laughs> I didn't think much of it at all, right? Yeah, I, I guess I didn't either, but when I was in college, I started writing software for a TMS system. Oh, wow. And oh. so that kind of like sparked the interest, and then I got derailed for a while, and then I'm like... How did back. you get roped into that? I met a guy in Barnes & Noble. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's that how is, it always starts. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> unusual chemical engineering, and you're writing code for a TMS. Wow. So yeah. what? T- give us an overview. To, like, Tell us, like, um, yeah. I guess, 35,000-foot view. What, is, what does CargoCast do? Right. Uh, you know, how are you kind of distinguishing yourself in the market? So we're leveraging the latest in RFID technologies and advances. So we can automate a lot of warehouse operations and, and track freight. So I'll give you a couple of examples. First thing is, like, when people receive freight today, they scan every piece or they'll, they'll scan every piece on the outbound side. That takes a lot of time. Um, a lot of mistakes happen. So we can automate all of that. And that reduces errors. It reduces costs pretty significantly, um, and you know quality goes up. So, lo- and, and you're a pretty young company. Uh, yeah, we've only been founded since October, 
but this idea has been kind oh, of incubating October. for wow. a while. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in another company that I was consulting with, so I helped them spin it out and turn it into a, an independent company. How do RFIDs fit into what you do? And for people who aren't familiar, how can an RFID even be used for cargo tracking, and what is it? Right. So uh, you know, every piece of cargo right has a label today. Yeah. So we just take that same label and we can embed a little RFID tag in it. And then when it goes through uh, a portal or they ha now have these overhead readers that kind of act as like GPS type systems, they activate this inlay with the, with the chip and it emits a signal. And so now you can see that something came in the door. You can actually pinpoint where it is within two feet in the warehouse. Oh, wow. So, and that's without having any active transponders. So now you've got, you know, a, a, a very cheap tag and you can pinpoint where it is. Well, now we can tell, like, hey, your salmon that is supposed to go to uh, Chicago is actually going to Nashville because it went into the wrong container. And we can prevent those mistakes and, you know. So not just you guys seeing him, but, but, the, but the customer on the other end as well. Well, I'm, you know, he mentioned fish too. Like I used to deal with fish air freight and, um, in Boston, there's, there's about four different major companies that bring in seafood and the deliveries, they'd always, def like, it was amazing how often in one week the wrong boxes would be br brought to the wrong seafood company. Cause I think that the delivery guys, they don't even look at the name of the company. They're just like, oh, okay, it's, it's right. carp or it's, it's bass. Um, but I mentioned RFIDs, especially in that with perishables, people would be all over that because they, they want it. They are, especially if you're on the other end of the phone, they are never not looking for their freight. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of, I mean, just generally it's applicable in freight, but it also has benefits like express freight because now you don't have to spend all this time counting and checking everything. You can receive freight later and decrease the time in the warehouse. That also increases your utilization, it, um, you know, shortens that door-to-door time, door time so you can have more freight every day. Well, so um, what's interesting is that you are based in Oregon. I don't know the size of your, your young team, but you also have some East Coast influence, right? You've got an innovation lab in right. Atlanta. Uh, what, what's, well, what's up with that innovation lab? What are they, what are they working on? So at the innovation lab, we're, we're using all the latest uh, technologies to try and apply those to cargo type scenarios. So we actually replicate, you know, forwarder environments or ground handler environments in our warehouse. And then we're, we're able to actually validate that all these things work before, you know, bringing them out to a customer and, and really prove out the technology. So it's great for customers to be able to see in person. Um, and then also just reduces problems once you get on site. Okay. One of the things that he that that you have said is that digitization of cargo operations is non-optional if logistics providers want to meet the quality and speed needs of today's shippers. Elaborate on that a little bit. Are are a lot of the companies that are not taking on technology like this are they on, on borrowed time? Well, I mean, I think I don't know if they're on borrowed time. They just need to change. Yeah, and you know, like we're working with companies, and they're you know still bringing in paper from their forwarders and it's like hey that's that's not gonna fly in no pun know, intended yeah <laughs> at the end of the day right with the security requirements pressure to decrease shipping times pressure on costs like we have to digitize as an industry and that's what you guys seem to be doing do you have you, you said you're you're testing some things out to work with clients do you have anybody that you're working with now uh yeah so we're installed at a, a european ground handler uh can't mentioned their name yet okay um we're working with the top five freight forwarder right now um we've got a number of other, uh, other pilots in the works right now uh, pretty young company so you know i consider we're, we're making pretty good progress for how long we've been out there. how do you persuade them to to go with you as a young company what do you do you offer like le less expensive rates or how do you how do you get in i mean really it comes down to analyzing the operations and the savings right like when they look at it, like, wow, I can save a million dollars a year and it's going to cost me a fraction of that to, to get started. Like, yeah, yeah, let's, it's, let's do a pilot. Well, the RFID too, and not a lot of people are doing it. So you're bringing something that's, well, uh, pe well, people wrote it off, right? Yeah. People, yeah. I mean, cause 10 years ago, the problem was the technology didn't actually work. Yeah. Right? You had 90% accuracy. The, the hardware was super expensive. Um, the, it was just unreliable. And so now, you know, like we're getting data, we're like over 99% accurate. You know, the, the cost for tags has come down by a factor of five. The, the cost for hardware has come down by a factor of five. Uh, 
and there's just so many more applications you can you can use now. And, and on top of that, we've kind of built some proprietary ways to apply it to the cargo supply chain, so you can maximize the value out of it. You don't have to put it everywhere per se, just at the critical points. Wow, very interesting. You've brought 15 years of uh, working as um, how what 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 are some of the roles that you've been in and that that you're bringing to your new enterprise. Yeah, so I've been on the software engineering side, and then more, more recently, I was uh, we called a, a, a product manager, which is kind of like a GM, essentially, right. for our cloud integration business. So I, I build a cloud integration business, essentially, from scratch uh, over at MuleSoft. Well, congratulations. Yeah, before you, before you came on, I was talking to Chad about an article I'd read, and you mentioned RFIDs and how they were written off about 10 years ago, but... Larry Flint, of all people, had written an article sort of being conspiratorial, like the RFIDs are going to be on everything and they're going to track you everywhere you go. That didn't really happen, right? A lot of people well, wrote it off, but now you want that to happen. But now it is actually <laughs> happening. Like, um, one of the major shoe manufacturers just embeds it in your shoes. Oh, wow. So, and we don't like, even know. You don't even know. It's there. Like, people are weaving it into your clothing. So there's, like, fabric what? thread that you can have. And, like, it's See, everywhere. You just don't know. They're tracking yeah. us. Uh, that's they're tracking us everywhere. Yeah. They have information yeah, they on put us. on my keys, like, so in case you lose those or something. You know, there's a, there's a way to, like, get um, on your phone to, like, have them so they can't trace where you are. Like, your location tracking oh, okay yeah what? but I, we're we're tracked Ow. everywhere yeah oh I'll, i can show you it's easy as one two, three. R, it blocks rfids no not rfids oh okay but, see your yeah. points are relevant thank you for sharing them <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah. being tracked everywhere it's a theme it is great to have you on dan yeah. dan I, deep house ceo of cargo cast how do they reach out to you or anybody else on the team to find out more uh yeah, go to our website, cargocast.io, or send an email to dan at cargocast.io. Okay, all easy right. enough. Great. Thank you. Thank guys. you, yeah, Dan. Thank, thanks for joining us. Fantastic. We're learning all kinds of stuff every Fantastic. day here on What the Trust. Isn't it amazing how sometimes technology, it seems like it gets written off, and then, um, then before you know it, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's, it's, every, it's in your shirt. It's in your shoes. It's everywhere you go. Well, an interesting point about it is the very thing. It's like you, technology, we get excited about it. It goes through that little hype phase. Yeah. And then you realize, well, the world or the technology wasn't quite ready for it. Maybe some people could have said that about blockchain. Well, what about 3D, right? Like every oh, every 3D. 20 years, they bring 3D <laughs> out of the mothballs. I remember yeah, in the 80s I know, when I was right? a kid, I was I, my parents took me to see Jaws 3D, and I was I was like traumatized. Like the movie's ridiculous by the time it gets on VHS, and they always have like the scenes where there's like a you know like something floating towards the screen, yeah, or like like someone doing a yo-yo in the middle of the yeah, movie theater. Yeah, and, and, and it like worth just floating wearing extra those long. glasses for? I well, mean, but then Avatar, they tried to bring it back, and now they're making like 20 more avatar movies i'm that, not sure that who show was just gave me a headache avatar yeah i fell asleep during it i couldn't um and it wasn't like that was, type of 3d that came out it was more like depth 3d like you're supposed right. to be in it but then it was like it was hard to focus on it what you were seeing it was endless movement yeah it was it was, it was uh, hard to follow the um, other one that people are trying to and about a decade ago we're talking about technology ar was a big one where there's a bunch of apps and you hold up your phone and you know, the cameras can be on fire or, you know, Harrison over here would have a unicorn tail. Like, whatever you would do with the AR, things would be in your room and you could play you could play games. I even have a lightsaber game where you fight stormtroopers and you use a lightsaber. It's, wow. Yes, it's, it's a little what's, dorky. What's the thing where they put on the... the Virtual mask? reality. Yeah, but it's uh, it's called the Oculus. The Oculus, the Oculus, yeah. The that's, Oculus. Not, that's not AR, though. That's that's yeah, different. But that's a new thing that they're wanting to popularize. My, my kids have it in the house. And uh, and nobody plays it, and I think yeah, it's, you get, it's, you, it gets you sick, right? It's almost too immersive. It is. Well, it's like know? when they try to bring 3D into the house, nobody wanted to sit there wearing 3D glasses because who's going to do that and watch their TV? Right. Just, you can't, and you can't see what's going on around you. It's very uh, disoriented. So, well, what do you think of AR though? They've they've brought it back. There's some money being poured into it. There's some hype, but it's still you still need a device, right? Like I know Burger King. Like if you took your phone up and you have, and you first of all you have to download a special app, but then you take that. Always. I know you can't just do it through your phone's embedded camera, or even better through like contact lenses. Like I feel like once Ooh. they get them in there, then maybe there's an integration point. But I'm not going to just download like a Burger King app so that I can see the Burger King logo flame. 
right? right? I mean, like, why would I do that? And I would definitely not do it more than once. And, you know, sometimes we get too clever with things like uh, Google innovating, the Google glasses. Remember how those were yeah. be, like so they, they were like kind of like like a readout, like you're the Terminator. You and, could get beat up wearing right? those. Yeah. because And then it was like all the dorks were wearing them. Well, yeah, that's why. Because the... you'd be filming people, too. And people would be right. like, why are you filming me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I don't now I don't feel comfortable saying anything anymore. Those really didn't take off, did they? But with the AR, the place that I do see it, uh, some inroads that make sense are like we were talking to that guy about cargo handling, right? So if you have like a visor on, I guess, where you could do some AR augmented reality <laughs> points, you could the I don't know, the tags on there or whatever could sort of come to life. You can get a better idea of where things are coming from, where they're going, where terminals are located. Like, it does seem neat. Like, if I just looked over here and then imagine if in your field of view it was like, oh, the keynote is right around the corner or, at yeah, X time. If you could just scan through all of the cargo containers and yeah. find the, uh, the, the, the thing you're looking for, you don't even need... Well, I'm also really bad with, like, people's names. So when I go to a conference like this, I'm like, man, I can't wait till the technology catches up where I can just look at someone and, like, their LinkedIn profile would come up, their arrest <laughs> records, you know, things like notes I may have made uh, or things I might need to be forgiven for or, re you know, it, or who that they're with be, now. That would be useful. Well, especially at these conferences because people tend to, especially on the sales side, you, you come and you get a, their business card, they're with one company, then the next year they're with another and then another. It really helps you keep track of things. Yeah. Well, uh, that is, that is, uh, the technology is happening. It's coming. It's a pretty exciting thing happening at Air Cargo, uh, here at 2020. Hey, look, speaking of 2020, there's a Freight Outlook special Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, right after what the truck. There might even be, uh, phone lines might be open. All sorts of exciting things. Craig Fuller, I think he, uh, he just got us on the hook for a full day. Wow. What the truck on St. Patrick's wow. Day. What could go wrong? <laughs> We're going to have you dancing like a leprechaun on, uh, oh. on stage. Do you think we'll be doing that from the, um, like the karaoke bar stage? Can in we Freight start Alley? a little later since I'm supposedly like going to have to drink? You have no, to start at 9 a.m. He said 9 a.m. 9 a.m.? I can't start drinking at 9 a.m. 8.30. Just, um, I don't know. Drink some iced tea and put it in a Jack Daniels bottle or something. Oh, okay. Just fake them all out. Yeah. Oh, we should have given that away. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Who do we got coming up We're, next? We got a hot mic here. Uh, we've got Andy Kirshner from Delta. He is going to join us here at the desk. Come on, come on over, Andy. Hey, Andy, I, I, I love the pin too. Good, uh, good seeing you. Thank you. Good seeing you. Great to see yeah, you. Thank, thank you. you. My kids are obsessed. We can't take an, an airplane. I got a five five year old and three year old boys, and we can't yeah. take one without them wanting wanting the wings. But they also collect the uh, the diecast planes you can get in like the Hudson uh, News and yeah, the gift shops yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Well, we can arrange that. So. Oh wow! Yes, oh yeah! Sir. Wow! All right, stay tuned, boys. <laughs> Well, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do with Delta. Yeah, sure. No, well, first of all, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're really we're enjoying the the convention. It's going quite well for us. And, Great location, and right? Just downtown yeah, Nashville. It's fantastic. He fantastic. he had never been to, to Nashville. No, well, a northeasterner. So, well, a lot of growth too. <laughs> I'll going be back on here. Though. A lot of growth going on here. But no, but thanks for having me. I mean, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you. So I'm the sure. uh, the director of sales for the Americas. So yeah. uh, I've got the uh, the. Canadian, uh, the U.S. and the Latin sales teams, um, and then we've got the uh, the postal contract as well that reports up through me. So, uh, so keeps me busy. We've got uh, you know a lot of neat initiatives that we're doing with the sales team. And uh, again, what, what are you sell? What are you selling? So we're uh, you know we do uh, you know a couple different initiatives. We've got the uh, domestic. So we've dedicated a, uh, a domestic team in 2019 uh, that we have a totally dedicated domestic team that focuses on uh, targeting our customers that are here today with a primary focus on domestic. Uh, they also focus on U.S. to Pacific exclusively as well. Uh, and then uh, something else that came out last year in 2019 was with our joint venture partners, Air France KLM, that we have a uh, joint venture team, which is dedicated Delta, Air France, and KLM sales staff that's uh, focusing in working with our top customers um, with a dedicated team. Well, wow, and you guys are expanding that. You're expanding that sales team. You mentioned downtown Nashville growing yeah. bigger, downtown Chattanooga yeah. growing bigger, and your yeah. sales team growing bigger. Yeah. Usually that happens. I've been in sales because you're doing a good job. Yeah. 
Well, we appreciate that. We, uh, you know, we've seen a, a, a lot of opportunities uh, coming in the door, and, and you know, we're uh, out there just aggressively working with our top customers, uh, doing everything we can to, to focus and to, to bring benefits to them. And just having that additional staffing allows us to be there to offer opportunities and, and be in their offices with the all important face to face visits. That oh, we wow! All know. So as you've expanded the sales team, you've you've offered some new routes. Did you just did you just mention all of those routes or no? Absolutely not. So we're uh, you know we, we need to look at it really twofold with our, our domestic routes, mm-hmm. uh, which we're, we're really, you know, happy to announce as far as new service from JFK to Los Angeles and back, where we made the decision that every single flight is going to be a wide body aircraft. Uh, so it brings an incredible amount of capacity uh, to the table for our customers with uh, as many as 40 uh, PMCs, which is our, our unit load devices, uh, in each direction uh, per, per day. So on a daily basis, round trip between LA and JFK and back, it is 80 PMCs a day, which is a huge amount of capacity that we have going back and forth. So that's not only good for our pure domestic business, but also for our business for our inbound customers or if we want to, obviously, for our exports as well. So that's a, a really neat initiative that we have going pure domestic and within addition of, you know, just additional growth. The other is with our international service. We uh, we just announced in December uh, JFK to Bombay service. Oh, wow. So we have a 777 daily service from JFK to Bombay, which we're very excited about. You plan on doing Chattanooga to Bombay? Really? Or? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. Okay. We'll work Expanding that, so. some of our opportunities yeah. there. Of course, yeah. Delta is in Chattanooga. Yeah, I, I, like, sure. I like taking me some Delta flights, sure. getting it one way to to uh, Chicago, um, yeah. sometimes New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got uh, a lot of lot of opportunities, and I've got ties to Tennessee too. My my mom's family is from from Tennessee, so we used to always make trips up to Tennessee when I was little. What are some nice. of the uh, challenges in moving into 2020 that that you guys have to navigate that you want mm-hmm. to, to to smooth over? What what's the environment like right now? Yeah, yeah. So you know, look, it, it's uh, you know 2019. I, I think. Everybody was it was a little bit of a, a challenging year. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're seeing here in January uh, already. You know, some optimism uh, coming out there. Uh, you know, we we look as far as just the the pure economics and the confidence of the end user to, to purchase. And you know, if we have that out there in the market, uh, that is what what helps us to be successful. And more people are purchasing, more shipments are, are going through. So you know, it's just you know our number one initiative is just having that confidence with the end user that they're going to purchase wherever that is worldwide um, you know we, we continue to see you know you know optimism out there and, and we feel very confident for for 2020 um, and you know it's just a matter of really just getting that confidence out there with the end user yeah I think that uh, the, the some of the analysts I've been seeing are anticipating a, a pickup at least certainly through the second half of the year uh, so we're, we're you know the past two years especially but towards the end of the decade, digitization, digitalization was Mm -hmm. happening. Uh, You guys, like, how do you use data to inform your decision making now? Mm -hmm. And how how is that? How is that happening this year? Yeah, no, that's a great, great question. And, you know, it's just as we say, let the numbers guide you. And everything that we do is looking for as as different resources for uh, the the numbers, the you know, getting the the different reportings that, that we have uh, out there to help guide us in, in our decision making, and that's being anything from you know customers that we work with as far as the numbers that how they're performing to our uh, opportunities with our performance with operations, um, every single initiative that we work on is based on digitalization and that's through new reportings that we have as i mentioned uh but we we really we have to rely on that to be better and i always say let the numbers guide you as i right. said and and it's just it's so critical for us to do that you know the, the feeling the thought however you know that's out the door everything is based on specifics and we, we truly do our day-to-day guidance of the teams based on driven by numbers. You know, we started the show talking about dogs and talking to dogs. Uh, do you know anything yeah. about Delta's new upscale high-tech pet carrier? Yes, yes. Right, how does that yes, work? No, An upscale? Is that yes, super luxe? It is, it is. So it's a, uh, a partnership that we have with, with CarePod. Um, we, we are, you know, this is something that's very, very important to us with the protection uh, of our pets that, that we ship on a daily basis. Uh, and this is really, you know, a very unique kennel that that has you know anything from 
water that you can put in from the outside uh, a little reservoir so you don't have to open the, the door on it. It's got a special locking mechanism on the door to obviously for the safety uh, of the pets. Um, anything. Emily, are you listening to this? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. That's a I bet great you're, one. It's great. Bet you you're know, excited else for any. Too is you know even you know for the animals to the way you know the flow of air is is second to none as well. But even for the animals to be the way their vision is looking out, you know they look down and so you know they can't see straight out. Which sometimes you know that could aggravate an animal if they look out yeah. and see see different initiatives. So it's just the insulation on it. Anything and everything on it was taken into consideration. You know for the care of the animals, and what we're very proud of what we're able to offer to our customers and, and above everything else, just the safety of the animals. I was going to say, Chad gets aggravated when he's flying, not not yeah, just on yeah, Delta, on yeah. airlines in general, and, and he can look out the yeah. window, he can lean his yeah. seat back, and so just imagine yeah, being I, I might be comfortable in one yeah, of those yeah, things. Yeah, he's yeah, got to yeah, curl up into a ball. Yeah. And, that might be uh, easier, just put a, a blanket yeah, over yeah, your You know what it would be, because I, I can't, I can become a little anxious. Uh, we see more and more dogs, though, like I've been riding on planes tonight, and she has, a, she has a, Emily has a multi-poo or something like yeah. that, or a cockapoo. I see more and more of those flying actually in the airlines now have yeah. regulations and the airlines themselves become a lot more lax yeah, on people absolutely. bringing companion animals absolutely you know people want to bring animals on board with them and uh you know we we fully support that um anything from you know obviously service animals uh which is very important uh for for our customers to to be able to have service animals as a part and you know that's a lot of what you will see uh flying with the uh, customers but you know we're we're fully supportive of it and uh, and again it just makes the customers feel more more comfortable as well well you are managing got a lot of you're juggling a lot of things all at the same time uh how can uh people reach out to find out a little bit more about um you know what you do yeah, and yeah. Delta Cargo. Sure. Yeah, Get in no. touch with your sales team. You're yeah. expanding, right? Now, right? now those guys need to make those sales and, and that, grow even bigger. That's exactly right. So uh, absolutely. So DeltaCargo.com. Okay. Uh, so they can reach out to uh, that and we have all of our information uh, right there. Anything from our sales team to other points of contact, we make it very simple. Um, a lot of information on DeltaCargo.com uh, that they will find. Anything from the care pods that we talked about to our routes uh, to, to anything and everything. And we're super proud of of our website and all the information it offers. DeltaCargo.com. You heard it right yeah. here on What the Truck. Thank Trump. you very much. Thanks yeah. for joining okay. us today. Enjoy yeah. the rest of your time okay. in Nashville. Thank you. Yes, Thanks. Appreciate you Thanks so much. Right, you're doing you a great too. job. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you. All right, Chad, so what did you learn today? Oh, I learned about uh, some some tech. The time's not right until the time is right. Like, like which, like the RFIDs, RFIDs maybe. Are. All right. Oh. Yeah, you know. Um, what else? I learned. Uh, what about about cargo? What about about the dogs? Now, when you're walking through the airport, do you feel more secure seeing <laughs> seeing a beautiful black lab walking around? Yes. Uh, you know, I think it's it's more comforting to know that they're smelling for bombs. Right? Yes. You know, than, than I mean, just that that alone is kind of like the bottom line safety thing. Well, what about the cologne, too? So you stop buying the counterfeit <laughs> cologne, they'll get that off the street. Right, maybe that'll help because um, we don't want you putting on the wrong cologne. Yeah, I don't wear cologne. Are you a, right. do, you like, do you like cologne? No, not, not, yeah, not no, neither. Speaking. No, I, I don't know. I think that you kind of like it, don't you? No. We, you know oh. what else we got coming up? Michelle Halkerston, she's, go, she's the uh, CEO and owner of Hazlitt Express. And I don't know if you knew this, but she, uh, she bought the company. She worked she, there for years. Then she bought the company. It was it was up for sale, and she was oh. she was going through the evaluation point. She's like, you know what? I know who the perfect buyer is for this company. It's me, <laughs> not me. Her. Talk about yeah, I get it. Yes. Talk about faith in your company and your what you're doing, right? Yeah, and you know, there's this great Forbes article where it talks about it, and she said, you know, the the best decision I made was buying my own company, and you should too. So, do you have any plans to buy Freight Waves, Chad? Oh, yes. yes uh, it's a secret, though. So you might need a loan, right? <laughs> yeah, I also, um, I mean, I learned, uh, some, I, I think Craig's uh, view and analysis of Amazon is fascinating to hear. Yeah. I think he could talk on that for, that. just that alone could be a keynote. Yeah, so if you stay around, though, I'll be talking to Michelle at 11 o'clock right. on Freightways Insider. Stick, us, stick with us on the... On the live stream, and if you actually hear at the event watching this come by the table, we still got some extra What the Truck shirts left, but they're going very fast. Hit the music, prepare for landing. It's been a great, great, it's been a great time in Nashville. Three What the Trucks in 24 hours. Three What the Trucks in 24 hours. I just put out yesterday's day two on audio. It's out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere, 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 everywhere,
Follow me on Twitter at Timothy Duner. Hey, Dan Deephouse, we will be looking for that sparkling wine. Just whenever you're ready, just send it to us in a safe cargo carrier. Thank you. We'll be on the ground shortly.